I put all these ideas in my head and then they kind of tumble around and tumble around and then I go to the wall and I grab the wine and I go, okay, well, which, which is the thing that I'm curious about right now? Sure. And I've gotta, I, I need to be deliberate about the space between the last thing and the next thing, or I get stuck. Hello, everyone. I am Harris III, and this is the Story Podcast. It's a big week for us here at Story. The Story 2020 website just went live. We've just announced the majority of our presenter lineup for this year. Naturally, of course, saving a few big surprises for the event itself. And the price of tickets to this year's virtual experience goes up by $100 on August 1st which is coming up quickly, guys, that is just around the corner. If you haven't taken a look at the website yet, now is the time. Just go to story2020.com. It's interesting because this year has kind of become a sequel to last year's gathering. As many of you know by now, our theme between no longer and not yet was an exploration of the magic that can be found in liminal space, what is often referred to as the space between or the messy middle our official theme between no longer and not yet was an exploration of that space the uncomfortable gap between an old story and a new one there's so many ways of looking at this space and when we talk about stuff like the tension between the already and the not yet it can be hard to think of real experts I mean, it's easy to find people who will share their success stories. It's also pretty easy to find someone who wants to talk about their dreams. But what about the middle, the part between the vision and the reality? And that's a little harder, right? And that's why I am so glad to have someone here who not only loves that space, but really has spent his entire life, I don't know if his entire life, but a good chunk of his life helping others learn how to navigate it. Once you hear New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and good friend of mine, John Acuff, talk about living intention, I think you'll see why I believe in the space as much as I do. If it can help John create the work that he has, just imagine what it can do for you. John was one of our highest rated speakers from last year's event. And this week, we dip into the archives for a sit down backstage interview with John and our friend, Tim Gray. Let's listen in. You are in the space of formless idea that is yeah. being molded and yeah. malleable, right? And then it's no thing, but it's like a hound. You're on the scent of something, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. And then, and then you start, and it's crafting, and it's becoming a thing. And then you spend however long it is just utterly in the cave of that. Yeah. And then, ugh, you're done. What is that liminal space of the, I'm done? How does that feel? feel for you when you're in that process of the abyss of after? Oh, so the abyss of after for me can sometimes be really scary because it's like you've lost this limb yeah. um, and you've had this thing that's been, you've been kind of riding shotgun on this idea for X amount of time. And then, then it's done. I've learned that I need to start a new idea faster than I thought. Um, there's been times when I'll wait. And if I wait too long, I get stuck. And I get into this kind of creative funk. That happened to me last summer. I needed I needed another project. And what ended up kind of kicking me out of that in a good way was I did a comedy night. Um, and so I, I, 
I contacted Zanies, the biggest comedy club in Nashville, and said, hey, I want to do a comedy night. And they said, essentially, well, we haven't really heard of you. We'll give you a Sunday in October. And and so I wrote a 60-minute set and ended up selling out two nights. And it was really, really fun. But I needed, and it took me three months to write that set. And I needed that thing to pull me towards a new project. Sure. And so for me, what I've learned about myself creatively is I don't, it's not that I need to jump on the next one. It's not a, like, I'm trying not to be manic or compulsive because mm-hmm. I can be both of those things. Sure. With like if one idea is good, a hundred ideas are better. <laughs> like I had a gratitude journal once because everybody kept saying like gratitude will change your life. Yeah. And so I started a gratitude journal and it went from like recording things I was grateful for to how fast can I fill it? I wrote 2,400 things down in that gratitude. Like <laughs> I squeezed all the joy out of it so fast. Yeah. And so I'm not saying I need an idea right away but i need to be deliberate that like a farmer doesn't take three years off in the fields because the fields won't be the same when he goes back to them and so i need like i'm learning to be more deliberate about okay i breathe i change i look at the five ideas um al andrews um a friend of mine said that he once asked me is it ever hard for you to have an idea and not instantly share it with everybody uh, I said, yeah, it's not only like instantly share it, but which platform? Is it online? Is it a speech? Is it a blog? Ah. And he said, well, you're living a keg party lifestyle right now where people are just coming in and getting content and content. And he said, you need some wine ideas. Mm. You need some ideas that you put in a bottle and they sit on a shelf and you only talk to a handful of friends about them and you let them grow and change. And so sometimes the process for me is after I finish one wine idea, I go back to the shelf and I go, okay, what have I been thinking on for years? Like what's been, I kind of think of my brain like this rock tumbler. If you've ever purchased a rock tumbler for your kid as a gift, it's the worst gift in the world (laughs) because it takes nine months for a single shiny stone. Like it's, and it sounds really loud, but I think about, I put all these ideas in my head and then they kind of tumble around and tumble around. And then I go to the wall and I grab the wine and I go, okay, well, which, which is the thing that I'm curious about right now? And I've got to, I need to be deliberate about the space between the last thing and the next thing, or I get stuck. John's experienced enough here that he's actually in huge demand helping other people and even huge organizations map out their liminal spaces. His blogs have been read by 4 million people, and his influence on social media has helped shape the future while encouraging and inspiring others. This is what John is so good at, that it isn't always easy for other people to do. Experience these things with so much perception and insight that he breaks down some of these very hard-to-define ethereal vaporous journeys and see them clearly enough that he can talk about them later it's a real gift and it's why we're so pumped to have him at story your topic for today that you're taking on stage what has harris tasked you with what is the subject of your thing between what well so the session that i'm in is between blank and blank Mm. and so it's this final like okay we've had all these specifics now what's next what are you going to do after this because i'm the you know towards the end of the day and so it was really wide open between okay you've got these two blanks what do you do next how Mm -hmm. do you step into it like what does next week look like and that's that's what i love to talk about i'm a big believer um and i'm really deliberate about generating ideas curating ideas collecting ideas but then how do you actually make the ideas do something mm-hmm. how do you finish the ideas so i'm i'm hoping to bring a lot of um a lot of laughter a lot of fun but also some practicality sometimes we think practical is not a sexy word but if you want to be a creative that produces yeah. practical is an amazing word so i'm going to talk about the space between blank and blank between 
what if and what is like yeah. how do you do that or or between a dream and a reality how do you actually make it happen and so that's the space i'm going to step into for an event like this filled with storytellers it's easy to stay in the clouds as visionaries sure right? the practical is the most important to help us as creatives get to the next place yeah and i'm going to talk about some of my process how i do mm -hmm. that and then we did a huge study i mean it it for me, I got to a place where I said, okay, well, why don't I finish ideas? What mm -hmm. does that mean? So I really started to study it, really started to research it. And I partnered with a PhD named Mike Peasley, and we studied nearly 900 people for six months as they worked on projects wow. and worked on things they cared about so that we could say, here's what it takes to finish something. And so that, for the last few years, that's been kind of my guiding principle. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by talking about... Um, just the creative insecurity I felt when I initially talked to Harris. So I yes. talked to Harris about this this event and he told me how amazing it was gonna be and I instantly felt like, wow, I don't belong there and I need to come up with some crazy way to end my speech. Like it has do, to do, be, do, do, do. yeah, like Fireworks. I need to come in from the rafters <laughs> and I'm gonna, and I came up with this really terrible idea and I told my wife and she asked me the question she asks um, when I when I ask for feet like question when I question her about creative stuff she says do you want compliments or feedback mm. and that's a powerful question yes. and so that's what I'm going to talk about and I'm going to talk about what I think is the most powerful sentence um, to define creativity and it's something Dorothy Parker said years ago and it changed my ability to actually produce things and she said creativity is a wild mind and a disciplined eye. And so the wild part is you take all these different ideas. You take a song lyric. Out on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. You take the way a restaurant menu was written. You take something a PhD taught you, a story you heard about birds, and you put them all in your mind, and they're all there. And then you have the discipline of your eye to see the connection between them and actually make them happen, to go, okay, this is related to this, is related to this, and you create something new out of all those different pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. That's the process I use, and that's how I've written the last six books. That's how I'm going to write the next six. Um, that's how I write speeches. It's, yeah. it's how I write social media. So that's what I'm going to talk about is that process. I felt the same way. We met with uh, Harris this week, Tuesday, and he was mm -hmm. like, all right, you're going to be running the podcast. And I looked at the lineup and instant was like shame spiral. Of, oh, yeah. I don't belong in this room. What am I going to say to all these accomplished yeah, people? Oh, like, my God. Yeah. You, you know, I, I went through the thing even though it's one of my favorite things to do on the planet. Well, see, that's where the, the lie of the creative shame is like you forget the love. Like yeah. in that moment, you forget like one, I love it. Two, I'm good at it. Three, yeah. I've worked hard at it. Yeah. Like four, he picked me on purpose. Sure. Like he didn't just see you on the street and go, I like your cool hats you wear. <laughs> John likes to set moods. He's a natural writer and really good at using language to not just convey facts and information, but energies and vibes. It's part of what makes him a good communicator too. It's part of what makes any good story really, but it's also part of what helps propel him through these times of tension. He's not just good at communicating to others. He's learned quite a bit about communicating to himself too. The next book I'm writing that I'm in the middle of right now is about overthinking. Mm. And uh, me and the PhD who helps me research my books asked more than 10,000 people, do you struggle with overthinking? And 99.5% said they do. And so that process has been really powerful um, and has really changed me already. I know a book's going to work when I'm learning from it before it's come out. And so I'm being really deliberate about the words I say to myself, the, 
you know, the language I use. We just did um, a challenge. It's called September, January, because September is kind of the first New Year's. Mm-hmm. Like if you work in retail, it's the first kind of exciting month because of back to school momentum. So we took 13,000 people through a, a thing I called the new anthem, which was a series of statements you read in the morning and at night. Um, and we're kind of testing this big, you know, this approach, like what does that do? And then the more you read about how the brain changes and how like, here's just one example from the book that's really kind of challenged me. So in Princeton, they do a study with college students and they have two groups of college students. They bring them into a room and the one group they say, Hey, we want you to make, um, sentences out of these words a bunch of words in a word bank that make sentences the other group they say the same thing but hidden in those that collection of words are words that would trigger feelings of being old mm-hmm. so florida retired slow um, all these kind of words related to being old so then they say hey the next part of the test is down the hall we want you to walk down to this second part so they the students walk down and they secretly timed them how fast it takes them to walk there and the people who had been primed with the old words physically walked slower just from having been exposed to old words Mm -hmm. and so there's a million different studies about the words you put in your head change the way you physically act which changes what you do um and so for me here's an here's just a silly example of that i um i want this book to be light and easy like my goal is the writing process is light and easy because usually when i write a book i'm a huge jerk and very mm-hmm. difficult to be around. Like I'm just very stressed out. Yeah. I, I switch into perfectionistic mode. Yes. My hands get real tight. And so this one I've said, okay, no, the, the theme of this one is light and easy. And so I researched, I like to run, and I researched these Nikes that um, they've worked on for years to try to beat the two hour marathon time. They're called the 4% because they help you run 4% faster. They've got a carbon fiber plate. They're very Uh springy. They're actually angled. So you're awesome. Like you're running forward. You're being propelled. Yeah, you're being propelled. So when I write this morning, before I got here, I worked on the first chapter and I put those shoes on. And so when I, and like, it's so Mr. Rogers, but it's still like, I only wear them when I'm writing and they're light and easy and they're bright green. And so it's another thing that tells my brain and my body like, hey, it's go time. Yes. Like, and it's, it's, there's joy here. And so there's a million little things like that, that I'm learning that yes. al- already changed me. And so then when I like, I'm using this process to create the book and I know it's going to help other people because they're going to go, wait a second, I do that same thing. Yeah. That's a real tool I can use. How do I do that? What does that look like? And yeah. so for me, that's, those are some of the things I do. These mics are connected to thousands of creators and storytellers all around the country. Um, For the ones that can't be here today to see what you're about to get on stage Mm -hmm. and share, can experience that between blank and blank, right? What is a nugget or a takeaway or something that you'd like to be able to share with these, uh, these other storytellers around the country? So a big part of it, a big part of the research about when you want to kind of close the gap between those two things is that you've got to make it fun. Um, that fun and joy matter. We we studied that in this focus group, um, and that was something that really surprised us was how important fun was. Now, the key is it's not necessarily about having fun. It's about making it fun. That's the difference. You have to add fun to things that aren't inherently fun. And so as a creative, you look and go, okay, this part of what I have to do, like invoicing. I hate invoicing. I hate it, but like 
it does matter. So how do I add more joy, more fun, more engagement to this thing that's not inherently fun because it matters? And so a big part of it is going, how do I look at the 10 things I have to do and maybe four of them I don't naturally enjoy. I need to deliberately add some fun to them to encourage me to actually do them. And there you have it. It's a little hard to know how to boil some of John's points down to just these little snippets or easy takeaways because he's so brilliant and his thinking is complex. But I love the idea of adding more joy to the work you do, especially on days where there's not a lot of it. And that's how you make the most of these transitional spaces we so often find ourselves in and add a little more, not yet, to the already. Be sure to check out John's best-selling book, Finish, if you want to learn more about ways to find your way across the finish line and what so often leads us to giving up. All his books are great, and I can't wait to read his new book on overthinking, something we all struggle with, right? I know I do every single day. I'm doing it right now on this podcast as I let my stream of consciousness flow out of my brain and into this microphone. John, thank you for all the work you put into the world and how it helps guide us and the work we produce, the stuff we make, and the stories we tell. It's been a big week for us at Story. Again, the Story 2020 website just went live, along with our incredible speaker lineup for this year's virtual experience. Guys, this year's event is quite literally going to be an event like no other. I can say that. And yes, it will literally be an event like no other. There's some real magic that's coming together, and I can't wait for this year's experience. If you haven't seen this first round of huge announcements, go take a look right now at story2020.com and register today before the ticket goes up by $100 on August 1st. You don't want to miss that. I can't wait to experience this year's gathering together with all of you guys. That is it for this episode. As always, I am Harris III. Thank you so much for listening to the Story Podcast. The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. It is hosted and curated by Harris III and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely. All music for season four of the Story Podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com.